You're listening to Drek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome to the observatory. What can I show you? We're supposed to land soon. <laughs> I'm... I'm the only one awake. I don't understand. What can I show you? Show me Homestead 2. Homestead 2 is the fourth planet in the Bhakti system. Right. And where are we? We are in transit from Earth to Homestead 2. We will arrive at approximately 90 years. What? We land on Homestead 2 in 90 years, three weeks and one day. No. Wait. How long ago did we leave Earth? Approximately 30 years ago. Welcome everyone to the 602 Club, the first episode of 2017. For those listening later on, it won't matter at all, but welcome back to the show. We're so excited. Uh, We've been on a wonderful vacation after we all celebrated with Rogue One. I don't, I've got some great hosts here with me. Before I even introduce them, just going to ask how many times you saw Rogue One. Richard, how many times you see Rogue One? I saw it three times. Nice. Uh, and Christy, how many times did you end up seeing Rogue One? Ironically, it was three times for me as well. Nice, nice. Excellent. Well, I'm at five. Uh, I'm longing to go back. We'll see if that gets to happen. But uh, lots of other movies came out over the holiday season of 2016. And we're going to be talking about one of those films tonight. We're going to talk about Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt that came out and see if it lived up to the hype that we all had with original sci-fi. But before we do that, just want to remind everybody you can find uh, the 602 Club all over the place. You can find us on iTunes, itunes.com slash trekfm. You can find us on Twitter, at trekfm, Facebook, facebook.com slash trekfm. We have the listeners-only discussion group as well on Facebook. That's the Babel Conference. So if you want to find that, type Babel into the search field on Facebook. Or you can click Discussion on any of the menu bars at our website, trek.fm. You can leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. And of course, last but not least, you can hit us up with an email over there at trek.fm slash contact. Just choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that will come straight to me now. Want to introduce the people that we have here tonight. You already heard them, but Christy, this is, a, I think, maybe your third time to be on a podcast, so I'm so excited. We met each other at Dragon Con this year. Uh, I'm good friends with your husband online, and we got to spend, a, my wife and I, a lot of time with you uh, and your husband there at Dragon Con, and we're looking forward to doing it again this year. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It, it, Dragon Con was a blast meeting you guys and getting to have lunch and dinner on a regular basis in a Mexican restaurant that was abandoned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it looked like something out of a zombie film. It was weird. Uh, folks. Never in my life done it, something like that yeah. before. But it gave us a good place to record a podcast together without anybody really bothering us. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And, uh, of course, 
a man who needs no introduction, the one, the only Richard from our Star Trek The Next Generation podcast, Earl Grey. How's it going, Richard? I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm great, man. I'm I'm really good. Uh, it's it's great to be back. You know, I, I just it's it's nice to be back in the saddle uh, or the uh, office chair. See? Yeah, at the <laughs> desk. So, uh, well, not really. We're in the six hundred two club, so yeah, you know, I'm not really setting the scene with Ruby and the drinks that are flowing, like wine. And I'm sorry, folks. I'm out of practice. Okay. <laughs> Let's just talk about the film. Uh, so, original sci-fi, we had a wonderful film that came out earlier in 2016. Richard, you and I talked about Arrival. And it was one of those movies that uh, it, it, it just it, it captured my imagination because of what it did. And we just don't get a ton of original sci-fi. And so, with Passengers coming out at the end of 2016, I was really excited because, again, it's original. It's not based off a book. It's just a movie coming out that seemed to be another big sci-fi epic. So, I wanted to ask both of you, going into the movie, what were you expecting it to be before you saw it? Christy, what about you? Did you have any expectations going in after you'd seen the trailers? Yeah, um, I, I definitely did. Um, it, it seemed at first when the trailer started out that it was going to be like Earth was destroyed. And so the only place they had to go was to send these people on to find a new home. Like grown up Wally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and then part of the way into the trailer, even it's he says something like uh, we were woken up for a reason. It seemed to me like they were going to turn it into a conspiracy theory. Like they woke up two people early and they were going to have them do some dark purpose for the government. I don't know. Yes, yes. No, exactly. I think you're you're right on. I, I There was something about it where I was like, like it, it felt like it was going to be this big mystery about what's happening. Why did they wake up? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It seemed like it was going to be much more action oriented and uh, like a lot of intrigue and drama. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Richard? What were you thinking when you saw the previews? Um, I, I'm actually, I actually didn't see any of the previews, to be quite honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first time I actually uh, heard about it was the Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence uh, making fun of each other special or whatever they were doing for some uh, uh, some network they're doing it for, and that's that was the first mention I actually even heard about it. And it, they were talking about it as a sci-fi movie, and then. I was like, all right, fine, I'll go see it, and and then next, you know, this podcast came up. <laughs> so really, I actually didn't, I didn't go into it with seeing any of the trailers, to be quite honest. So you had no expectations so, going in. I had no <laughs> expectations. <laughs> That's cool, though. I mean, there's something about going to see a movie, and I mean, all you've probably seen is the poster. You know, like there, there's something about that that is very cool, um, and I. I I love it when that happens. It doesn't seem like it happens very much for me these days, but that's awesome, Richard. Uh, so you're very much a blank slate, so I'm really excited to kind of dive in and, and see then what you thought of the movie. And so the the story, I think, is is something that became really interesting because, Christy, what you and I described really isn't what the movie's about at all. Nope. <laughs> so what did you end up thinking about what we ended up getting in the movie? So it, I, I was definitely surprised. 
Um, I love that they went the route that they did with it in um, not only making it a love story, but that it had this deeper meaning of like, what is the meaning of life? Why is life worth living? Yeah, no, that's, it is, it is very different. And and I think anybody who hasn't seen the movie, if you're listening, will definitely going to spoil it. So just your warning is out there now. <laughs> but it was much more of a relationship drama movie and a human movie than it was anything about a conspiracy theory or intrigue or anything like that. This really is a movie about how do you survive in the most awkward, strange circumstance that you find yourself in. And so I guess the, the, the main thing we should probably dive into is the, the actual story itself, which is Earth is kind of a paradise at this point. And people are leaving Earth for colony worlds. And it usually takes, what, it was like 120 years, sometimes 200 years to get to these different colony worlds. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people are being put to to sleep in uh, cryopods and then shipped off to these colony worlds to create a new life for themselves and that was something that was was just fascinating to me this idea that i i don't know and richard you could i guess we could talk about that this is a whole new universe it's almost as if like the federation kind of exists like earth is perfect but people are bored paradise yeah yeah so wants uh, to be paradise. paradise is boring so they're going off to these colony worlds to create a new life for themselves or maybe they're like our main character, Jim, and he... There's nothing left to build. Yeah. Or nothing to, left to create. And I can I can relate to that. I mean, especially when, if, I don't know, obviously we don't hear about what his career is like or, or anything like that. But, like, I mean, if you're at the top of your game or you plateaued, or especially as a mechanical engineer, I mean, and there's nothing else, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it's it's far more exciting to go to another place, another another land or another world uh, and basically start from scratch again. And, I mean, maybe the whole entire Earth is now <laughs> uh, concrete now. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> is it a garbage pit like Wally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because they, they kind of show Earth in, like I think, maybe one scene, and Earth kind of looks more like Coruscant. Like, it looks mm. like this, it's turned into almost like a city planet where... There just seem to be massive buildings everywhere, and it's this place, and, and Jim even says, if something's broken, you don't fix it, you just replace it. You know, it's it just seems to be this paradise where everybody has most of their needs taken care of, and people are looking for something more. And so I, I think it was interesting for the story to have that human element of that we're always looking for a challenge. You know, it, it like these are the new pioneers. They're, they're traveling from, you know, civilization to go forge life in a completely new place. And I, I thought that was a really interesting thing. So I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys, would y'all do that? Like give up your entire life? 
and sleep on a ship for 200 years to go start a new life in a in a brand new place uh, uh, that because to me that was one of the questions like would i do that i don't know what about you richard uh well i guess that, that would depend on uh what my situation on earth would be i mean if i could bring my daughter and my wife with me then you bet your ass i would <laughs> i mean because it's just it, it's it's awesome i mean it, it that's ex- that's very exciting to basically like you said pioneer into a new frontier and basically start over and build something and maybe even build a legacy that's that's tremendous um over in that new world and yeah, I mean, I would, but I mean, it really would depend on whether or not my fa- if I didn't have family, yeah, I probably would have done the same. But if no one wants to go, then yeah, I probably wouldn't go either. <laughs> yeah, I think Richard's right. I think it just totally depends on your situation because it's like if you feel like a you have no one that you're you care about leaving, then it's not a big deal. Of course, you know, I would definitely definitely go off and pioneer on a new planet. But then, if things are pretty good, if you know the condition of the earth itself is fine then i would probably just stay here and not risk all of that yeah it's it's scary yeah no really scary well and the thought that too you know while you're gone everybody you know is going to live their life and die so that once you come out of cryostasis you're on a brand new planet you legitimately don't know anyone and for all intents and purposes you've time traveled Mm-hmm. You know, so where you're from, the world is completely different, and where you're going to, the world is completely different. So whatever they told you the world you were going to is going to be like, it's like 200 years. It's not going to be the same. Like, that just blew my mind, this whole idea that people would just trust their life to this company of bringing them on this crazy-looking starship all the way across the galaxy to a brand new planet. And yeah, it just, that was something that was really interesting to me. So uh, I don't. And with what you're saying too about trusting a company, I love that they have that call out to her saying, that's just a marketing line. (laughs) Say something true. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Because, you know, he joins uh, this group because he is somebody who has a desirable trait, as the company calls it. Like, he mm-hmm. is a fixer. He is really good with his hands. He is very good with building things and creating things and fixing broken things. He's just one of those people who has that knack. And so his ticket's discounted on this big starship. It's called the Avalon. And it allows him to be able to make the journey because he wouldn't have the money otherwise. But then the rest of his life on the planet that they arrive at, which is called Homestead 2, real original, uh, it's <laughs> it's going to, they're going to take 20% of everything he earns for, for the rest of his life. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, and I'm wondering, yeah. is, is that just 20% of what you earn in your lifetime or 20% of every paycheck or... I, that, yeah, that's a Probably great paycheck. question. Uh, <laughs> but it seems like to me, basically, he it's a new form of indentured servitude. Yeah, right. that's a good comparison. And how are you able to even get out of that? It, it doesn't <laughs> seem like he's ever able to You're not, to get now out you're trapped. Because, yeah, you are trapped. And so, but, but does that mean his children, um, if he has any on Homestead 2, would fall under that contract as well? 
man, see, that's that's the question that I start asking, too. And I guess it's probably just him and his family would be free at that point. But now, that those are all the kinds of questions that this movie, I think, does raise. And, and of course, they're not going to answer all those. It, it, it doesn't right. have enough time. Yeah. But it, it did make me think all that stuff because this whole creation of a universe that they do was really fascinating to me. And I don't know, Richard, to me, it also kind of got into that idea. You know, people ask when they watch Star Trek, you know, for humans, is a utopia viable? And this movie seemed to be saying, well, for some people, but for others, no. Like, they want that living on the edge feeling. They want that pioneering spirit to be alive in them they want to get their hands dirty you know like for them utopia isn't what they want i i don't know did did you read it that way at all especially thinking kind of in those next generation terms well when they were talking about uh uh, earth as a utopia I, I yeah i i instantly drew to uh the federation and everything um on star trek about the utopia society and obviously the economy part is still still there but like when it comes to like in your needs done and everything yeah i i told i mean i, I love how simple this story is yeah you, uh, we know what utopia looks like uh earth is apparently that utopia that and now these people want to leave or like uh, there's a couple plants that that um, that have already been colonized that people already want to leave. And obviously, yeah, they want they want that edge to, um, you know, build something or make something of their lives or 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 even, I don't know, hunt or something like that. But I mean, there's all kinds of things that, yeah, this this utopia, uh, maybe it's not uh, it's not as cracked up as it uh, as it sounds. No, I completely agree with you. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like. It it seemed like a good thing for some people, and then it it almost felt like this company kind of was preying on that feeling for others. Like they'd found their corner of the market where that people don't want to be a part of this kind of perfect world anymore. They want to go look for a new one, and uh, they found the best way to do that is build these starships, and we find a way to get people's incomes for the rest of their lives tied to us. <laughs> and it, I mean, it is perfect. I, and she's, I love that she's so cynical about it. You know, like it's all about the ones and zeros for them on their balance sheet. Uh, that's, that's all they care about is how many, she said they earned uh, some quadrillion dollars. Like something like the year that. Before yeah. I was just thinking left. of the number too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like a mil, like, what did she say? I think it was a million billion millions or hundred billion billions or something like that. I don't, I, I, I'm not good with numbers. So, uh, (laughs) somebody email us, tell me how I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know that, that was crazy. I, I, I do love though in kind of creating this universe to me, what was really interesting is I loved the ship design. I thought it was really cool and it, and it seemed actually very realistic you know, you mm-hmm. have the, the moving parts, uh, so you create gravity, and then the long spear kind of at the front, which is their shield generator. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, to me, it, it felt like somebody had put a lot of thought into this and how this ship would actually work to make it seem realistic for traveling in space this long. I don't know. Richard and Christy, I mean, both of you like different types of sci-fi. 
did it feel realistic enough to you or you like it? What'd you think? It really did to me. And I, I just have to say, I like that they show you from the get go a lot of um, schematics, I guess I would call them, or blueprints, um, so that you don't even have to be told verbally how the ship works or the shield generator. You see it. You know, mm-hmm. how, how like yeah, you're saying, I agree. they show that there's this cone protecting them from all of these little asteroids coming in. Um, and then, you know, as they're talking about what's going on later wrong with the ship, they're showing you diagrams of the internal structure of the ship. But yeah, right. I loved it. And I actually was wondering if I'm the only person that thought that the design of it kind of looked like DNA. Mm. Oh, it does. That is like a, that yes. twisting double helix about that. ribbon. Yes, that is awesome, Christy. Thank you for pointing that out because now you just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really cool looking ship. I mean, when I first saw it, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> and then of course, you know, seeing the shield and everything, and it's like it's it's a very simple design. It's uh I think it's very elegant uh, for a ship that I guess is gonna be traveling for at least 127 years. But like yeah, it's very simple, and that's ultimately what I love about the entire movie. the The movie is very simple. It's not something where you have to catch up on, you know, techno babble or anything like that. Even the sci fi part, it was just it was very simple. We got to do this, and in order to do this, we got to do that and that. Okay, <laughs> you know, I, that's what I absolutely love about this film. I mean, yeah, it's more. It's obviously predominantly more uh, of a relationship uh, film. But like it's, I mean, even when they do start talking about it, it's very simple and it's very easy to understand. And actually, it was a it was a breath of fresh air thinking about that because I was like, oh great, I have to think through this. <laughs> oh yeah, you mean so. like the the process of what what they're doing there and how they're getting where they're going. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very it's a very simple film, but I mean, I I love it for. I mean, I think they did they had a right balance of sci fi technical babble, I guess. And w- without getting away from the true story. And I, I don't so. know if you've liked, too, how they um, really made it clear how it was like a gigantic computer. And that, you know, since he has this mechanical knowledge that he can go in and just pull out the processor or whatever and plug in a new one. And how lucky of uh, how lucky for the story that he's a uh, he's a mechanic. Yeah. Was, was that too <laughs> lucky? <laughs> yeah. And, and how lucky that the right guy wakes up the deck officer, just enough to give them what they need so they can fix the ship and save everyone and themselves. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, there are some coincidences in the film that are a little bit much, but I, no, I'm right there with both of you. I think, I think one of the things that the film does is that it plays off some things that we'd already seen before. And obviously, I, I mentioned it earlier as a joke, but it does kind of remind me of Wally. Uh, it's very much like that where the ship is technologically advanced enough to run itself and it doesn't really need much of a human crew. And when it's on autopilot, the computer and everything is smart enough to fix itself. Uh, you know, they have replacement parts if they need it and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the only reason that anything really goes wrong is because on their way, they hit a pretty massive asteroid. Uh, and even though the ship has shields, it still has a, a huge impact uh, on the ship. It, it's it's basically intergalactic Titanic mm-hmm. because it hits not an iceberg, <laughs> but it hits an asteroid that throws things out of whack and mm-hmm. 
you know, Jim doesn't realize that until much later on. So, yeah. No, I thought that the look and the feel of everything, it it just felt right. It felt like an advanced Earth design. Um, and I got to say, I really want to be at that bar with Arthur all the time because that was the coolest bar. That Art Deco design, I was like, we not, we need to redo the 602 Club just like that. <laughs> I agree. I, I liked the gold. Yeah. No, really nice. And so yeah, I really liked uh, all of those parts of the film. I, uh, this is an interesting part, though. I wanted to talk to you guys about the characters because obviously the big draw for this movie, I think, for most people was, hey, it's Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. They're in a movie together. Uh, and I mean... I'm not going to complain about either one of them. They're two Me of the best-looking people in Hollywood. So, nope. Um, not here. What did you? Uh, so Jim's the first one that wakes up, and he's the mechanical engineer that we've been talking about. Uh, what did you end up thinking about Chris Pratt and his portrayal, and and what they gave him to do in the movie? I I felt for the guy. I mean, uh, I probably would have done the same thing if I if I'd have known how to do all that and um, you know wake someone up. I'd probably would have done the same thing. Uh, you know. I mean, it's unfortunate and it, it sucks even more that he had the, I guess the lowest level of passenger. Oh uh, yeah. That was so sad. That he <laughs> it was. It was really <laughs> like, sad. He had to deal with that for at least a year. <laughs> but like, yeah, I felt for the guy. I, I, I'm surprised he didn't do it any uh, sooner than a year. Cause that probably would have uh, drove me nuts. Uh, Cause we all need that human interaction, but yeah, to go that long. Whew. And did you like that, that they also made um, that sort of joke between him and Arthur saying, um, you know, he's like, well, I'm here. And he's like, you're not the same. Yeah. When he slaps him and he's like, ah, you didn't even feel that. And that didn't even bother you. <laughs> and he's like shaking off his hand because he hurt that he got hit the guy with the metal head. Yeah, that was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> but yeah like yeah. I, I totally agree I, I can't believe that he went an entire year without waking anybody up um but then it i really felt for that struggle of but if i do i'm stealing someone else's life from them they don't have a choice they can't take that back once i do it yeah and it's sad but it i mean when he, when he actually um, pulled her out of that cryostasis i I actually didn't feel that bad for her. No, no, no offense to the character or anything like that. But like, it's like you can't blame him, <laughs> right? Yeah, but it, but it was terrible <laughs> later that she does end up after all finding out from Arthur and not directly from him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, it is a good time to ask the question, which is: If you're Jim, what do you do? Do you wake somebody up? Or do you sacrifice your own life and say, no, I'll die alone and crazy? <laughs> I think yeah, I think no. we all would like to say that we would not um, wake somebody up. But I, I think that ultimately humans seek other human companionship and that you're going to end up doing it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. If it was like maybe... 10 15 years left on the journey then um yeah i'd probably wait it out but the reality is, is it like 90 years yeah you'll be dead by then yeah you're like am i going to spend <laughs> I mean, my entire yeah. life completely alone knowing that already yeah there's no way yeah I, I, and you know 
that, that yeah, it, fortunate enough that it was a, a mechanical engineer that was woken up. But I would have woken up someone that with some kind of mechanical engineering or some kind of engineer uh, that could actually help me out instead of like a writer. But you know, that's me. Well, <laughs> you realize what the logic was. He went, mm, "Hot one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, I'll, "I'll wake up the hot one." Well, and uh, that was okay. Yeah. That was an interesting thing uh, because. Yeah, she's pretty, but what I I liked is that he spent all that time like watching her videos that they apparently have people um, record and introduce themselves and talk about why they're going and all that. And then he read all of her writings, her books, and I'm sure magazine articles and all that stuff. So it was really interesting that, yeah, I mean, he looks at her and it's Jennifer Lawrence. She's hot. Uh, But (laughs) then... He spends all this time getting to know her through all that she said and written, and that really is the thing that, for a while, makes him not feel alone, but then I think also at the same time remind him that he is utterly alone. And so, yeah, I guess... I don't know. I I think I would probably have to wake somebody up because... I mean, yeah, there are there I'm sure there are a billion books you can read and but the human person cannot spend its eternity alone. I mean, it's just it's not what we're made for. You know, we're we're made to be with people. <laughs> That's why we commune <laughs> in cities, you know, and uh we have friends and we get married and um well, yeah, like yeah. the vast amount of geography we have available and we choose to congregate together. <laughs> exactly. I mean, people Ain't build, people congregate in places like Phoenix where it's like 120 degrees <laughs> during certain days. I, I guess because people, they know they live there. So that's my point. We, we uh, The question, I think, of what you would do is really interesting, but I think it really just drives home that point that we're human beings and we're made to be in relationship with each other. And without that, there's something in us that's just not right. Uh, And it causes us to go crazy, which I love that basically he's kind of crazy by the time he decides to wake her up. I mean, he's walking around with a sheet tied around his neck with no pants. Yeah, so I love that part of the movie. <laughs> He's just like, eh, well, who cares? It's yeah. a little awkward. Yeah. I mean, Christy was like, oh, well, hey, good job. <laughs> I mean, he was Chris a little scraggly at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's an interesting question, and I I think it is a good like moral question because yeah, he is basically taking away her life and in some ways killing her. It is somewhat like a murder. But mm-hmm. what was interesting to me, because flipping that around, the movie makes her kind of make the same decision that he does. I thought that was very interesting, because at the end, when they're trying to save themselves, he has to be outside. He has to be the one to hold open the uh, the exhaust port so that the, I guess we'll just call it the warp drive, can... Uh, let loose it's the you know the the excess radiation and by doing that when she releases the lever he's most likely going to die and i thought it was really interesting that she ends up kind of having to make that choice do i sacrifice a life to save myself 
And so it's a little bit different. It's not quite the same. But at the same time, they're similar enough, so they have to make those choices. And I just I thought that was really interesting and, and smart for the movie to kind of have them subtly mirror each other. Because the choice she has to make is is just as difficult. Like, uh, but at the same time, too, if she doesn't do what she does, five thousand other people yeah. die. <laughs> right? Yeah, I like yeah. that he says to her, "He's like, it's not just you and me. If you do this, then you're saving these other four thousand ninety eight people." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Whatever the number is, I'm yeah. bad with numbers too. Yeah, I mean, it, because, well, they have 5,000 people who are asleep. Well, it was 4,998 at that right. point. But then there was 200-some-odd crew, crew as well. So, I mean, we're talking a lot of people that are in their hands. And so, yeah, them ma- having to make this decision, uh, it's a big deal because she would be choosing if he dies to basically stay alone and then does she wake somebody up so she's not alone for the you know 88 years they have left so yeah it's it's an interesting discussion so and then did um, you like also that they give her the opportunity to go back into hibernation yep i i was just about to say that too yeah i really like that that she cho- that she eventually made that choice to stay with him and I, I guess grow a life with him. Well, as we saw at the end. So, well, we really don't see it. We just see the vegetation go overgrow. But yeah. Well, you see them in I the pool we first. Uh, well, after 80 years? Or are you talking about the. No, it's like right after she decides that she's going to have a life with him. They're in the pool together and they say, hell of a life. Ah, got it. And then yep. he goes to the trees. You're right. And honestly, if, just speaking from the perspective of, you know, if an, another person in a monogamous relationship, it really was a heartwarming moment to, you know, know that feeling of you've chosen to be with this person for the rest of your life. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, and and what it's interesting, too, because, you know, they've they've made that decision and, you know, they don't really have anybody else to choose from. Um, Well, I mean, they could wake more people up. Yeah. But they are kind of like the Adam and Eve of this of this you know ship. You know they're going to live a life, and there isn't going to be anybody else, and they're not going to be able to have kids because their kids would then grow up and not have well, anybody to be with. You know so, that, that's that's what Jennifer and I yeah that's what Jennifer and I were talking about at the end because she's she was talking to me about it. I was like oh I really wish they would have showed you know if they had kids or not. I'm like I think they would have. I mean, after... But then who do their kids, like, get together with? Because then they just have their brothers and sisters, and that's awkward. They write uh, them a letter and tell them they point. have to wait it out. Incest is wrong. You need to wait till you're, like, 40, uh, and then you can get I to guess, the planet. Yeah, and, yeah that just... That, I got the feeling that they didn't have kids, so... Could, yeah, let's just go with that. Yeah, because yeah. that turns I, awkward I real quick. Yeah. yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think about Jennifer Lawrence, Aurora Lane, aka Sleeping Beauty? Her name's Aurora. So oh, I thought that was funny. I actually did not catch that. Wow. I didn't either. <laughs> Isn't that so funny though? The, that it's, it is it's just it's she's sleeping beauty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's 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 one of Jennifer's favorite Disney movies, dude. I wouldn't have even thought of that. I, I wonder if she uh, saw that as well. 
Mm. That's one of mine. I have it on well, Blu-ray. Um, yeah, I, I loved her character. Um, I really was curious about that he ended up choosing a journalist. I mean, if you just think about all of the options he could have chosen from, that just was a surprise to me. But it was nice to see, like you said, Matt, of watching him, watching her videos and talking about that for her dad, writing was always about his experiences he had been through and that he just wrote about those. But for her, it was writing about things that she had never done before. She never wrote about herself. I, I, I absolutely loved her character. It's just, it was, she was so fascinating on, um, on especially on the, especially how many videos that they had of her. I mean, it kind of, I don't know. It, that's, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> there would be, they would record something like that and have all that kind of information just readily available for almost anyone to look at. Yeah. Like why would but, you need uh, it? I, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, okay, that's a little too much. <laughs> but yeah, I loved her character. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've always loved Jennifer Lawrence um, as an actress and, it's just it, it it worked for me. I was in funny enough it, I, again. You know, she's a she's a writer and you know able to tell all those stories in those elegant ways that writers do. <laughs> I I really thought her character was interesting, um, and I thought it was interesting to me to see Jennifer Lawrence play a character that's very different than anybody else she's really played. I mean, this is not Katniss. You know, she is somebody who's kind of a more normal human being you know she's not a superhero she's just a woman who is kind of running away from earth because she's just never been satisfied and she's trying to find something to satisfy her you know even her friend says that in the video she's watched you know you were you never liked it here you never nothing was ever good enough for you here i hope you find whatever it is that will fulfill you and it, it seemed like sh- her character arc became that she became comfortable with just being herself, not comparing herself to her father, but also just enjoying life for what it ended up bringing her instead of always feeling like she always had to go to the next thing because she was just kind of forced to be okay with her life. And Mm -hmm. it was a really, I thought, it was an interesting character arc. And I I liked Jennifer Lawrence's portrayal. I thought she did it well. And then, I mean, I've always liked her as an actress. I I don't know if it's the most challenging role she's ever played for herself. But I liked that it was different than the other things that she's done. Especially in the last few years, which have all been very much very kind of similar roles. You know, she's just the resident badass. Yeah. And, and here, she's just kind of a normal woman. And, and I it she played it great. I, I, I really... And I... Good question. Did you like the chemistry between them? Did you buy it? Do you feel like these two stars had the chemistry you needed? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could definitely feel it, like, maybe maybe not the first day or the second day, but... After a little while, when they started really talking to each other, uh, I mean, really, uh, you know, Chris Pratt's character uh, had more of an advantage than um, Jennifer Lawrence's uh, character. But I mean, yeah, after a while, yeah, you could definitely tell. And I thought it was genuine, too. I mean, I'm sure both of them are really good friends now. So 
Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. It didn't seem like they gave as much background on his character as they did on hers. I mean, all we know is that he's always been either, you know, a mechanical engineer or I thought he just said a mechanic. So I was a little confused there. Um, but, you know, she talks about how her father just suddenly had a heart attack one day and then she had to figure out how to move on from there. And she was only 17 and she's a journalist and all of this stuff. And I feel like you just really don't get as much about him. But I definitely did um, think that they had a great relationship between each other. Um, and you can tell that, you know, it's this deep, true feeling that it's not just that outer attraction. Um, and that's why, too, I think it breaks your heart so much when she accidentally finds out that he woke her up on purpose. Mm-hmm. But um, Right, without him yeah, being chemistry, able to tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... I thought it was it was good because there was that thing that was always going to be hanging over. I mean, there's sort of Democles was he woke her up. She doesn't know it. They have to find out, you know, and, and in true life fashion, you know, if you tell somebody a lie long enough, uh, it, and, you know, it, it's going to the truth will end up coming out, uh, whether it's a robot that tells them or or not, uh, <laughs> which I loved. Um, Jim, these are not robot questions. Uh, oh, yeah, so, when he asked him that one question, he just yeah, like, mm. yeah. <laughs> cannot compute. robot questions. Um, <laughs> so, no, I, I, I liked them together, and I, I thought it was really good. And it it was interesting, too, because, you know, when they do decide to finally going to be together in the end, even though they save the ship and all, and they've been through kind of hell and back, they've kind of seen each other at their best and their worst. Uh, of humanity, and I think they real. I, I guess going through that together allows them to her. I think to be able to forgive him for what happens. You know, like I feel like that's the, the storyline, because otherwise, I feel like it would have taken her a lot longer to come around to that if you know their lives hadn't been in danger. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, because, I mean, it's like she's the only yeah. person that can help him fix the problem or else they're both going to go and probably everybody else on the ship. What did you end up... I, Martin Sheen, as Arthur, I thought was just wonderful. I mean, he him as the bartender was... What great casting. Because he, he was just so... He's just perfect. Is that the android? Yeah, it was, he was perfect. I, I, I agree. Uh, definitely very witty and, uh, um, and just... <laughs> I mean, he makes a great Android. I mean, we could put him on the Enterprise or something like that. How about that? <laughs> Bartender, can you imagine that? <laughs> he he really, he was so gifted at that, um, just keeping the, I don't know, stoic face or whatever you want to call it, polite constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really sold it as, I'm an Android. Why are you always cleaning a glass? I'm the only one awake. Trick of the trade, Jim. <laughs> People don't like a bartender not doing anything. Uh, yeah, he right. was he was wonderful. Um, I just I, I really liked him, and it's kind of sad that you know Lawrence Fishburne is in this movie, uh, and he doesn't really get too much to do other than die in about five minutes. <laughs> was I the only one that, well, that immediately was a good went Morpheus? <laughs> yeah, it was a good surprise. I actually liked it. It was a well, like I said, I didn't see any of the trailers and didn't even know who was in it except for. Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, and it was a very good, a welcoming surprise. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't he tell them to take the blue pill? 
I know. <laughs> oh goodness, no, he was he was great too. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, he doesn't really get a ton to do, uh, but a great actor and, and uh, nice that I, I feel like it was a good job to just kind of pull somebody who immediately had some gravitas on screen, mm-hmm. so you kind of wanted to listen to him, and you know. Uh, and I think because you cast him, you do kind of feel bad that he's going to die soon, even though you don't really know him, but it's Lawrence Fishburne, and everybody's like, no, not Morpheus, don't die. <laughs> we so, love him. Yeah, Perry White, <laughs> no. Um, so, And it was so interesting, too, that they, um, it, it kind of sad that they ended up finding out what's going on with him, 612 disorders or something like that, and there is no hope for you. <laughs> yeah. He was a goner when they when they started talking about or listed off all those diseases. Jeez, this pill will <laughs> ease your pain. That was, <laughs> I mean, yeah. When they said there were that many disorders, I was like, I don't even know how he's alive at all. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was nuts. It was it was really interesting because the uh, one of the things that uh, Martin Sheen's android Arthur says to Jim. Uh, it was really interesting, this whole idea of kind of like time and place. And and he said to him, you know, people always say, oh, I wish I was here. But if you were there, you'd probably be thinking the same thing you are here. Man, I wish I was somewhere else. And mm-hmm. that whole idea of kind of making the most of where you are, it was that's an interesting idea because human existence and i i know for myself we are so unhappy most of the time because we want to be doing something else we want to be doing a different job we want to be dating a different girl or boy we want to be uh you know whatever just fill in the blank and once we get that then it's always like oh well the the grass is greener next door you know and and it reminded me and and richard this is you, i think you'll appreciate this it reminded me of the picard quote from generations where he said, you know, someone once told me that time was a predator that stalked us all of our lives, but I'd rather believe that time is a companion that goes along with us on the journey and remind us to cherish every moment because they'll never come again. And I, I felt like that's kind of what Arthur was telling Jim. It's like, you, you're alive, you know. You have to find a way to make the most of where you are because if you don't, you're just going to go crazy and you're missing out. And I, I I, thought that was, I don't know, I really liked that message. I thought it was really important. Well, but if you also have nothing left to live for, you know, someplace, really, you're not, uh, you're not missing much. But then again, I don't, I mean, I mean, maybe if we're talking about uh, Aurora that, uh, yeah, she's missing out on all her friends and all in what we don't even know what family she has left except for her father. Um, but like, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. He's like, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, they're all thinking the grass is greener over at Homestead too. I don't know. Eey. But then, yeah, like um, Arthur saying that feels like a, a turning point in the movie where they seem to go toward this moral of the story that they even repeated at the end, which is, you know, don't be so busy trying to make a life that you forget to participate in the present of where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and live it. Yeah, live in the moment. And that's uh, I just I think that's so. I think that's so important. You know, it, it just in our world today. And I just I just felt that uh, when he was saying 
um, that to Jim. That whole idea, you know, just make the most of where you are with who you're with, with what you're doing. And, you know, um, if there's an opportunity for change that, you know, you can make that, you know, but to, to make the most of where you are, I just, I really liked that as, as a theme and, uh, it, it made it, uh, nice because anytime there's something to kind of think about a little bit after the movie kind of has my brain going a little bit, I appreciate, you know, it's, it's always nice when a movie gives you something more, uh, than just entertainment, you know, so, uh, the, the fact that uh, a movie like this could allow me to have thoughts about my life pretty deeply was, was nice, you know? So I think that's a, that's always a plus. I guess, uh, the last question I have for you guys is what would you end up rating passengers? Christy, uh, for you, uh, let's do out of 10. Um, that gives us a lot of room to work with. Where would you put passengers? Are we doing anything specific like womp rats? Uh, you can, you can do anything you want. So, uh, <laughs> stars, starships, I mean, whatever you want. So I will give it nine out of 10 galaxies. Um, it, one point off just because of the couple of things we mentioned, like, I uh, felt kind of too coincidental that he happened to be a mechanic and, um, mm. you know, they happened to wake up the one guy that could help them and things like that. Um, but it, I loved the visuals of the entire movie, um, the look of the ship, um, that feeling of you're on a cruise ship in space, and then the relationship between the two of them, and then that overall, like you said, message that you have to think about when you leave the movie of go and live every day to its fullest and not just trying to get through to something better. What about you, Richard? Well, um, going into uh, going into this movie, I had no expectation at all, so it was all brand new to me, except for the, obviously, actors. I would probably give it a right around, yeah, nine and a half asteroids. <laughs> uh, and mainly because, and the, the main reason is because it's so, it's it's such a simple story. Uh, you know, no techno babble. Uh, well, there's some, but not not as much in depth as it as it could have gone. But like, it's it's just a, it's a simple story. You know what's going on. It doesn't take it. It doesn't take a scientist to figure out what's going on. And it's just it's a it's a very simple love story. And I'm not really much into love stories like uh, like a drama or, or something like that. But it's I, for some reason this one this one grabbed me. Um, you know, and just said and just pulled me right in. So I left. Yeah, I absolutely love this film. <laughs> I think that's really cool. I, I love that, especially for for you, Richard. It it was something that you just went in. You had no idea what to expect because you hadn't even seen anything about it. Christy, for you, it was kind of a completely different movie than <laughs> both of us thought it was going to be, and you really <laughs> loved it. Um, I'm right there with you. Some of the criticisms that you had were really good, Christy. You know, there's a lot of the movie that is very. Oh, well, isn't that convenient that that happens? And so some of that stuff takes away from the movie. Uh, but I thought it was it was neat to get kind of a, a character-driven story. Like you said, Richard, there isn't a lot of stuff that's taking away from that because it's a pretty simple plot. We've seen it before. I mean, it's Wally and Interstellar Titanic put together. Uh, it's pretty much what the movie is in a nutshell. And... I liked the kind of the moral conundrums that we 
we're facing in the movie. You know, do you wake somebody up? Do you not? And then, yeah, I love the whole idea of find a way to make the life you have good. You know, where you are, find a way to make that matter. And I, I thought that was great. And so um, I, I'm going to say that this is um, probably six and a half out of ten broken reactors. So it, it's not a perfect movie at all, but I definitely enjoyed seeing it. And I've seen it twice now. Um, I saw it with some friends when I was in Texas, and then I saw it again with my wife on our snowpocalypse day that really didn't happen here. Uh, we went to the movies, and I enjoyed seeing it the second time, and I picked up more, and I, I really I thought it was totally worth watching. You know, I wasn't even seeing it twice, and I wasn't bored at all. I, I, I was really invested in what was happening and trying to pick up more, so it's definitely worth it. And I'm so glad that we're back at the 602 Club talking about this stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you check everything out. We've got, we mentioned at the beginning of the show on on you know iTunes, and hit us up with some star ratings and reviews. It's a new year. 602 Club is still trying to grow, so I'd really appreciate some new star ratings and reviews to help that happen over there on iTunes. And another great way that you can help the network, especially throughout 2017, is it's a big network. We can't do this alone. So go over to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can support the network and become part of our team. We've got some fun perks coming for you. The Patreon zone is just busting at the seams these days with Brandon Shamatullah taking over with that. Uh, We've got roundtables and all sorts of things coming to you. Every little bit for us helps. So just, again, go to patreon.com slash trek.fm. We've got some great associate producers here on this show. I really want to say a huge thanks to Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, and Norman Lau. Those guys have been supporting us for such a long time, and they chosen this show uh, to be associate producer of, and it, it means a lot to me. I love those guys. So make sure you see them online. Say thank you to them as well. Now, Christy... If anybody would like to talk to you about passengers or find you online, where can they do that? Sure. So uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at morechristy, M-O-R-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. Awesome. And Richard, uh, if anybody is looking for you, where can they find you? Well, they can uh, find me on uh, Earl Grey with Lee Hutchison and Amy Nelson, where we talk nothing but... The TNG um, world. <laughs> um, I'm also on the Babel Conference. Uh, I pop in here and there, and I'm also on Twitter at xRansom. Awesome, guys. Well, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me uh, here in the network doing the Orb with Chris Jones, talking about Deep Space Nine. Find us on the Star Wars The 602 Club collection. That's on iTunes. It's just all the Star Wars episodes of The 602 Club in one place. Uh, yeah, hit that one up with a star rating review. That helps. Got a couple other places you want to go over on the Nerd Party. I've got Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills. You're going to want to check that out. We have a great time talking about all things Star Wars each week. Uh, and I just want to mention we had an amazing show with our good friend Nick Anastasio, who works for ILM. Also worked on The Clone Wars uh, with Dave Filoni and George Lucas himself. We're talking about Rogue One, so if you want a completely different perspective from somebody who's worked with the makers of Star Wars, go and check out that episode. You'll love it. Also, same time on the Nerd Party Network, I have a brand new podcast I'm doing with Drea Kaufman. It's called Owl Post, a Harry Potter podcast. 
and we're walking through every single chapter of Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. So if you've never read Harry Potter, it's a great time to join us. If you've read Harry Potter a hundred times, it's a great time to join us because we're going to be diving into every single little minute detail that we can throughout the next few years as we walk through the series. So make sure you do that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? All this time, we'll be the next.